it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. Today's episode is one of a five-part series going inside the team's Sweet 16 game against Dakota Wesleyan. The day started with Coach Tonigal challenging the team to pursue the game as a form of worship. Thinking of basketball as worship can seem confusing or intimidating, but Coach Tonigal then played a song for the team with lyrics saying, If everything exists to lift you high, so will I. What followed was one of the most memorable days of worship in IW Hoops history, culminating with senior Trevor Waite calling for a team meeting that evening for the team to worship together again and to share the unique thing God did during the game. Over these five episodes, we will hear from an individual player about their experience of worship during the game in the first half. In the second half, Coach Tonigal will share his insight into the story. At IW Hoops, we believe all of life is worship and that we can pursue God first in any context or environment He puts us in. We hope this five-part series will encourage you to worship God in new and fresh ways. We're joined now by junior Trevor Harrell, and we're at a moment in the Sweet 16 where something unique happened on our team as it relates to the unseen that Coach Tanigal had challenged our team toward before the national tournament. But I want to rewind with you, Trevor, all the way back to last May because something unseen to people who watched our games happened between you and your dad and your family. Why don't you start just by telling us a little bit about your dad and the man he is? Um, since I, as long as I can remember, uh, my dad has made church and got a very big focus in our family. Uh, there were many times that I can recall that we skipped AAU games and travel games and everything like that to go to church, which is something that you know I didn't like at the time because I wanted to play. But like looking back on it now, I I value that a lot. And I've known your dad for years from recruiting you in high school and sitting down with you during the transfer process. And the one thing that's so evident with your dad is he cares way more about you and your growth as a, as a man than as a basketball player. And that's something I respect about him. And I always just love every time I'm around him because he's just a joyful guy. Absolutely. But last May, you guys came across a trial. What happened? Uh, yeah, so he wasn't feeling very well for the, for the longest time, probably about six to eight months. And all of a sudden we find ourselves in a hospital room and the doctor comes in and says that he has stage four cancer. Um, there's nothing you can do to really prepare for this, that, you know, that uh, doctor telling you, you and your family that, but um, I was pretty frustrated because I knew that my dad is such a man of God, and he loves God, he loves going to church, he loves, he serves at the church every uh, possibility that he has, um, and so I was pretty frustrated, and when I was voicing my feelings and emotions to, uh, to my girlfriend, she after that conversation, I left, and I just felt this relief of pressure, and I could just feel God telling me that everything is just going to be okay. He's going to be all right, and this is all part of His plan. And from that day forward, like whenever I would be feeling down or feeling doubtful, like I would always have this sense of peace, and that's something that I just I can't describe other than that's just God telling me that I'll be okay. <laughs> so God showed up 
in the darkest of time for your family. For sure. And over the next few months, you journeyed with your dad. And I remember times you'd have to leave practice or you were at home. What impact did your teammates have as you went through this struggle with your dad? They were willing to help me whenever they could. Um, if, they, if I needed any meal, okay, we only have one guy, Trevor Waite, that was you know close to me and within distance at home. But he would always text me and ask if there was anything he could do. Um, and I really appreciate that, that a lot. Um, they would always be telling me that they're praying for him, they're praying for me, uh, and to let them know that if I needed anything, that they would be just a text away. And I remember at the Father Center Trait, your dad was able to come, and we just had a blast. Yeah. And uh, the group of men just rallied around him and prayed for him, and uh, it was just a really special time. Yeah, absolutely. So then let's go through the season, because your role on the team continued to increase. You became a coach on the bench in a lot of ways, and guys would look to you in the games, and you'd come to us as coaches and share your insight on what you were seeing. So you were finding ways to add value and impact throughout the season from your role. Yeah. Um, so if I would see that, you know, guys, you know, driving left mainly, um, I would let the guy know that who's guarding him, that, you know, that's his tendency. Uh, there were often times where guys would check in and I remember Evan doing this a lot, but you know, backup, <laughs> backup big would check in and he would look to me like, what does this guy do? And I would just, you know, tell him everything that I knew. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's mainly the role I have this year. One of the things that was so fun to watch with you is you were as invested in our team's success as anybody in the in the lineup. And you lived and died with our success. So on a typical game, when it was close as the games went along, what was going through your mind? Uh, man, I was anxious. Like, there were some close games we had this year, and I would be sitting there like biting my nails and you know twiddling my thumb, like just so anxious to find out like you know what's going to happen. Um, but like, yeah, so like in the Marion game, like both games, I was just like sitting there like scratching my head, like, you know, just soup, like tweaking out pretty much. Just, uh, just super anxious. And there's a there's an element where it's completely out of your hands because you're on the bench and you're coaching guys, but you're not in there making plays. So you have no control over what's happening. So I would imagine when we hit game winners, it's the greatest moment. But when we lose, you feel like you wish you could have influenced it more. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. So then let's transition to this game. And, and we've been talking the last couple episodes about different moments where it just seemed like God showed up. And we had five different guys have encounters of worship in the midst of a basketball game. And we talk about basketball as worship, but sometimes it's hard to know what that means. So take us inside what happened to you during the game against Dakota Westland. Yeah, so before the game, I was listening to the song uh, that just repeated over and over again. The lyric said, let it rain. Like, God, let it rain. Um, and so, you know, my prayer before the game was to God, let it rain. Like, let Canaan catch fire, let Mango get hot, let Evan just, you know, dominate on the inside. Um, so I kept praying that prayer during the game. Um, we built up a pretty decent lead in the first half, if I recall right. Um, and in the second half, we saw that lead sort of dwindle down, and all of a sudden, we lost that lead. We found ourselves down five to seven points with like a minute and a half left. And I'm thinking, there's no way we lose this game right now. Like, we, we're too good. We, like, have all this momentum. Um, we have, I don't know, we have all this uh, hype around us, I guess. And so I'm sitting there on the bench, and I'm, saying, I'm thinking, God, let it rain. Um, you know, let, let, the, let the gates open up. And as soon as I said that, I felt this weight of pressure just completely released from my shoulders. I was, it's honestly so hard to describe, but, like, I felt like God was telling me, you guys aren't going home tonight. And so from that point on, I was just so full of joy, and I was screaming on like my teammates when they were like thinking, "Oh man, like our season's coming to an end." But I was just, you know, trying to, you know, scream out some positivity into them. 
And I remember that night when we sat around and Trevor Wade had asked to have a team meeting. Mm-hmm. And he said, we got to share what happened because we're not quite sure, but we just sense as a team we got to get together. And what you said that night was, in that moment, you knew we weren't done worshiping as a team yet. So what does it mean to be on a team where you can worship together playing basketball? Yeah. As cliche as it sounds, you are playing for something as you know bigger than yourself. You're playing for the name on the front, um, but more importantly, we're we're playing for God. We're playing so that um, you know people are seeing God through the way that we play. And I remember I was talking to some Morningside guys at you know the day after we or the night we lost, um, and they were saying, "Why was Seth Maxwell like raising his hands when you guys were losing?" And they were like, "We thought that like he had his." You know, he fouled out, and the last foul that he had to straight, hand straight up, so he was just kind of like mocking the refs. And I was like, "No, guys, like he was worshiping. Like we were down, you know, 15 points in the second half, and we could see the, you know, time winding down. But he was worshiping God throughout, you know, the lowest part of the season thus far." And some people may hear this wrong, saying, "Oh, because we worshiped, we won." But clearly, the next night we saw we lost the game, so it wasn't about God giving us a, a certain outcome of the game. It was the posture of our heart. Sure. So how does worship change, and how does identity change in a win or a loss? Um, yeah, like I said earlier, like you're, you're not focused on the win or loss, but more importantly, you're focused on allowing God to be seen through the way that you play. So as you go into next year as a senior, how does that night where you had an actual encounter of worship affect the type of leader you want to be for the team? Going into next year, it's my last year, um, a lot of people would be focusing on wins and losses and record and individual accolades and for us winning a national championship. But for me personally, I think the development of you know the spiritual side of the guys um, off the court is far more important than anything I could produce on the court. And I think you had a great model of Trevor Wade in that. He's been yeah. talked about throughout this entire season the seniors and the impact they had. And Trevor even saying, hey, I care way more about what's happening with this team spiritually than what happens on the court. And then as a result, he had one of his greatest years, played phenomenal all season long. What did you see and learn from him throughout the year? I think he was more focused on other people. And our philosophy, I am third, you know, focusing on others before yourself. If you focus on, you know, producing, um, you know, fruit and other people, then God's going to reward you yourself. And to, to kind of tie this all up, Trevor, you had told me earlier that uh, we were talking about this episode, and you said there's two moments in your life where you just felt God's presence so tangibly. One was with your dad, and one was in that game. So let's just tie it up with your dad to update listeners, because I'm sure they're all anxious right now. What's the latest on your dad, and how's his health? Yeah, for sure. Um, he had surgery in August to remove all the 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 tumors and lymph nodes that surrounding uh, the area went through some treatments after that. Um, and then in February, I believe he was declared cancer free. Um, and then for, we had the monthly checkup, you know, a month after that and everything looked completely clean. So it's unbelievable to go from stage four to like nothing <laughs> within a span of nine months, but that's something that, you know, only God can do. And we're excited to see how happy your dad is next year at the, the father's son, you <laughs> yeah. know, with you as your senior year. What did you learn this year walking through the ups and downs with your dad, having a team by your side? How is that going to mark the man you become? I would say just have faith. You know, um, as simple as that sounds, but it just means so much to me because having faith, like through the darkest times, um, that's all you really need. 
and to have people like back you up and tell you that they're praying for you and things are going to be okay and you know having those reassuring moments that's that's definitely what you need and when we come back coach Tony was going to join and talk about this moment with with Trevor Harrell and and also just finding ways to worship in whatever role we play and the importance of having faith this podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. Joined again by Coach Tonegal. And in the first half, Coach, we heard from Trevor Harrell uh, about a moment he had on the end of the bench. Before we get there, though, let's just talk about Trevor and the role he played on the team this year. Trevor's an invaluable piece to our team. And, and sometimes guys may wonder, you know, how do I have an impact if I'm if I'm not scoring or if I'm not playing? And Trevor's that great example. He's a leader off the floor. He really is a coach on the bench. I mean, there are times in the middle of the game I'll look down I'll say, Trevor, what do you see? You know, what, what should we do? And I, I trust Trevor's mind, and I trust his basketball instinct. So he, he adds far more than the stats sheet will ever show. He talked in the first half about some of the ups and downs of this season with his dad. Uh, I remember clearly not knowing if his dad would be at the father-son retreat until right at the end when he was able to come, and then journeying with Trevor through that and Trevor having to leave for practice. What was it like to walk alongside him and to know what Craig was going through throughout the year? Yeah, so Craig's a, uh, a cancer survivor. He beat cancer, and uh, journeying through that is is difficult. But, man, what a what an encouragement and um, what a story that, that is being written. And a guy who's really kept his faith through it all. And so, once again, it shows you that we're dealing far more than just basketball. I mean, when one of your players' dads is struggling with cancer, it puts some of the basketball stuff in perspective. And Craig's a basketball junkie, so some of the most joyful time we had, or he had, he expressed, was going to the Father Center Tree, going to uh, our games. And he's one of those guys, he knows every basketball player in the state. He's always willing to go out and look at players because he just loves being in the gym. And it speaks a little bit to the, the value that relationships can occur through a game like basketball. Why? Why is basketball such a powerful tool to connect people? Well, the, it's the team. It's it's you're dependent upon people. Your growth is dependent upon other people. You get to experience your highs with somebody and your lows with somebody. I mean, I can't imagine experiencing a high in life uh, alone without somebody. It, it, it would seem like something's missing. And basketball affords you the opportunity to do that with somebody special, but just as equally as the dark times and those difficult times that you journey with people. And so our guys were there for Trevor. I remember guys reaching out to Craig, praying for him, guys praying for Trevor. Um, he needed his team in that moment, and they were there for him. And Tr Trevor shared in the first half about uh, this moment on the end of the bench where we lose this lead, uh, and he in prayer just says to, to God, are we really done 
now? Is this how we're going out? And he felt like God just lifted this weight off his shoulder and said, we're not done worshiping as a team yet. And he had this sense of peace. What do you think happened in that moment? You know, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, it's pretty cool that, that Trevor was that locked in and, and he was that tuned in to, to what God was speaking at that moment. It would have been easy in that moment to, to fold in or to give in, but to, to continue to stay open to what God was speaking because that became infectious. And when you're on the end of the bench, you have to be an infectious guy. You have to be somebody that is constantly moving us beyond what uh, the situation we're in, whether that's a run or whether that's, you know, the other team has gone on a run. you got to be able to move the team forward, and I think that's what that provided for Trevor and our team at that moment. And this is the fourth story out of five that we're hearing about what seemed to happen in the unseen world in the midst of a game, and it takes us back to episode 4.17 when you shared about this devotional uh, about the unseen that you shared with the team going into the national tournament. How do you think that connects? You sensed something as a coach, you shared it, but you didn't know how it was going to unfold. We kept asking our guys that the meaning of this is yet to be revealed. And so uh, keep searching, keep seeking. And as we were literally locking in God first, trying to remove all distractions, kind of one by one, God showed us a different way that this verse played out. The, the, the unseen things were a lot of these emotions that, that we were having uh, during this game. And it was really cool to see it, to see it finally come to fruition because all year long we had asked the question, what does this verse mean? Where is this ultimately going to go? And it, it produced some fruit in some guys' lives that I think they'll forever remember. If I was skeptical, I think that someone might say, well, you guys are just saying God's going to give you wins. But obviously that's not how the season ended. But there was a, an element that we've heard, Seth was a great example, where potential was unlocked because God was pursued first. And guys were elevated to new levels. So how can pursuing God first not necessarily guarantee an outcome, but lift us to new levels in terms of our pursuit of, of what we're doing for God? Well, I think sometimes if, if all you do is you try so hard and you lock in on performance, performance actually decreases because there's there's not a freedom within yourself. It's... It's like shooting, you know, the more you aim, actually the, the, less, um, the less shots you make. You, you've got to be able just to shoot it. You know, all of us, at least I've been told my whole life by my dad, just shoot it. Quit thinking and just shoot it. Well, I think when we live life more freely, um, because we're focused on God and not ourselves, there's a new level of freedom that opens up and all of a sudden the potential inside of us can be expressed. On our next episode, you'll hear from junior Kyle Mangus. Over these past four episodes, you've heard how Kyle hit a game-winning shot to beat Dakota Wesleyan. He'll talk in this episode about the role worship played all week and how it culminated in that moment. Coach Tonic will join the second half to give his reflections. See you next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. If you have a question you would like to ask IWU Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWUHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at IWU Hoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, First, find a way to be third.